Good morning, everyone. So good to be back in church with you guys after a snowy Sunday that we had last Sunday. Um, super bummed to not be able to worship with you guys, but I did at least feel vindicated that actual snow fell down and our kids got to run out and play in it. So that was definitely an exciting moment here uh, in the wintry south. Um, so, so good to be with you. Um, this morning, I've got the privilege of introducing, uh, I guess you could call her a guest speaker. She's new to our congregation, newish, uh, but to some of us, she's not so new. Uh, her name's Lori, and Lori has been teaching community Bible study here in Atlanta for like 15 years or so, 20, 15 plus 5 is 20 years. Um, and so some of our uh, members hear Lori preach or teach uh, every single week. And um, I got to know Lori actually in L.A. She brought her, her daughter, Bryn, to, uh, to our church there. And so we developed a friendship with her through that way. And she's been a huge blessing to us. Um, she's got a lot of gifts, but I would just say, one, she's just a super encouraging presence, which is always amazing to be around here. And she's just got a very palpable love for Jesus and a love for God's Word. And it comes across almost every time I have a conversation with her. And I think those are... Uh, some very important things you want when it comes to someone teaching the Bible or preaching. And so, Lori, you want to come? We're so honored to have you uh, to bring the word for us this morning. Can I pray for you? Would that be okay? Please do. God, I thank you so much for Lori, and I thank you just for uh, the ministry that you've given her here in the city. And uh, thank you that this morning, that ministry you've given her converges with the life of our church. And we get to receive the word that you've put on our heart and um, God, we thank you. I, I, I just pray a blessing over her as she comes to bless us with your word. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. You are brave souls, braver than you thought for being here. Thank you so much, John, for this opportunity. It is truly a privilege and with trembling hands that I stand here. So he's prayed, but I'm going to pray one more time before we dive in. Father in heaven, thank you that you are a God who loves us with an everlasting love, that you have called us for such a time as this, that you are the one who empowers us through your spirit, our teacher and guide. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life so that we may live in your holy name. We give these moments to you and you alone. Amen. Amen. Waiting. Waiting. Who loves to wait? If you love to wait, please don't raise your hand, because that'll make me feel really, really bad. Waiting is not my favorite thing. As a recovering road rager, recovering, right? Right, Bryn? Recovering. The car is my great sanctifier. There's a traffic light near my house. Now, there's a lot of traffic in L.A. You have discovered there's a lot of traffic in Atlanta. But there's this traffic light near my house that I have clocked over four minutes that it stays red. Now, four minutes is a long time, especially when you're already running late. I avoid that light as much as possible, and everybody is grateful when I do that. But I can think of few things in life that don't involve waiting. 
The people from our gospel passage today who heard Jesus speak had been waiting for the prophesied Messiah to come, waiting for hundreds of years, not four and a half minutes. We've just come through the Advent season, awaiting the arrival, the time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the Nativity of Christ at Christmas. We are now three weeks after Epiphany, and we are still waiting. We are waiting the second advent of Jesus. So let's take a look into our gospel, Luke 4, 14 through 21. The gospel is the revelation of Jesus, and Luke is introducing Jesus to the world. Jesus is holy God, holy man, completely God, completely man, walking among humans. God made flesh. In our text, it says, Then Jesus filled with the power of the Spirit. These are amazing words that are used to describe Jesus as he returns to Galilee, and it tells us so much. We've been discussing recently at Community Bible Study repetitive phrases or words in Scripture and the significance of this. Well, Jesus being described in the power of the Spirit or the Spirit descending on him has now appeared three times in Luke's Gospel. We read in Luke 3, 21 and 22, as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him at his baptism. And as he was praying, um, and then he was full of the Holy Spirit in chapter 1, verse 4, he was led into the desert, full of the Holy Spirit, where he underwent the temptation, tempted in all things and yet without sin. And now we get to Luke 4.14. Jesus came to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. When we see a phrase repeated so frequently in a short space of time, we will greatly benefit from paying attention to it and then explore what is this phrase telling us. Jesus' entire being is filled with God's power. Every move he makes, every action from his hands, every word from his mouth is coming through the power of the Holy Spirit. I love what Diane Chen, the theologian, has to say about this message. She says, with the completion of the time of preparation, Jesus returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And Jesus begins his mission, his teaching activities in the synagogue. And uh, the place, and the place here is in, he's in good repute throughout Galilee. Despite the people's positive opinion of him, they are far from understanding his status and the substance of his teachings. The general acclaim in this summative statement will contrast sharply with the rejection Jesus will face. When the words that Simeon spoke to Mary, when Jesus was presented at, at the temple, he said that her child will be a sign that will be opposed. 
this would soon materialize. Nazareth of Galilee was a poor, insignificant village with an estimated population of barely a few hundred. Nothing much was found in its excavations, no public building, no fine pottery, no paved streets, no inscription that might justify a different impression. In the first century, the Jewish people would gather for prayer and scripture reading on the Sabbath in the synagogue. If the village was too small to have its own synagogue, a home would be used. A typical service would begin with the recitation of the Shema, other set prayers followed by a reading from the Torah and the prophets, a sermon and a prayer to close. Sound familiar? Jesus was the son of law-abiding Jewish parents. They followed the teaching of God. And he had the habit of going to the synagogue on the Sabbath. So what happens here? Jesus takes the scroll and he finds the place in Isaiah that we refer to as Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. Now, Isaiah 61 holds a very special place in my heart. When we were adopting our son from Peru, the Lord laid on my heart to read Isaiah 61 every day. Talk about waiting. Well, we waited 10 and a half years for a baby, and then we waited four months to get that baby. We were there with him in Peru and, and reading this. So I was so excited when John sent me the text for today, Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery to the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So why does Jesus use this particular passage in Isaiah to introduce his good news, his gospel message. There have to be many reasons, but one for certain. He was announcing to the people sitting there that the wait is over. Messiah has come. The glad tidings of great joy was with them. He is with us. And so, the invitation has gone out. Who was invited? The baron, a lowly servant girl, as Mary writes about in her song of praise. The shepherds, the captive, the blind, the oppressed, the widow, the Gentiles, the tax collector, the sinner. The text says to bring good news. We were talking last night at dinner about the word bring. I said, I really like the word bring. I almost titled the teaching, bring it on. But bring, it says that he brings good news. He doesn't do good news. He brings it. Bringing is different than doing, isn't it? The triune God is bringing restoration. The triune God is bringing shalom. 
The triune God is bringing wholeness. The triune God is bringing healing. The triune God is bringing freedom. The triune God is bringing salvation. Jesus ends this text with a curious thing. Well, maybe it's more curious to us than it would have been to his original hearers. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So this jumped out at me differently than it had before because we've studied Daniel recently. This is the acceptable year. It is an allusion to the Jubilee year, a year of universal release for people and property. One commentator says, as the maladies under which humanity groans are set forth under the names of poverty, brokenheartedness, bondage, blindness, bruised or crushed souls, so as the glorious healer of all, he takes these maladies from us. Christ announces himself in the act of reading it, stopping the quotation just before the day of vengeance. It's not time yet for that. And that is only for the rejectors of his message, his good news. When you read Daniel 9.24, it says, A period of 77 sets of seven have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Wendy Witter says the theological significance of these calendar events of the Old Testament find its fulfillment in Jesus who inaugurated the kingdom of God in Luke's gospel by declaring himself the fulfillment of Isaiah's jubilee prophecy. One anointed by God and empowered by the Spirit would bring good news to the poor, proclaim liberty for the captives, sight for the blind, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and set the oppressed at liberty. Does anyone need that today? Gabriel revealed to Daniel that the anticipated end of the Babylonian exile, the end of the 70 years, was but a foretaste of a greater exile's end. The exile began in Eden. Jesus is the Jubilee. Jesus inaugurated this when he declared the kingdom of God is at hand while his earliest followers awaited the fullness of the eternal kingdom, they lived out the values of jubilee and Sabbath years by making sure there were no needy persons among them. Read Acts 4. Incredible. We can bring this, can't we? After Jesus finished reading, he sat down. I love that phrase. He sat down. In sitting down, he assumes the posture of a teacher. Remember, Jesus himself chose this particular text from Isaiah. And after taking a seat, he makes this incredible pronouncement that for over 500 years, this prophecy had been waiting to be fulfilled. Today, he says, the scripture has been fulfilled 
in your hearing. Through this pronouncement, he is claiming to be the future hope of Jewish people, and he is saying, I am now your present reality. Chen says the identification of Jesus with the Isaianic prophet may not immediately be apparent to those sitting in the synagogue at Nazareth. But the same spirit who descended upon Jesus at his baptism and led him through the test in the wilderness now anoints Jesus as God's end-time prophet that inaugurates God's eschatological jubilee here and now. So I have a question for us to consider. And I'm going to tell you a story, some truth about myself, some ugly truth. What does it mean to us that the same spirit that filled and led Jesus is the same spirit that fills and leads us today? So a trip to Orlando, two kids, two tutors, 12 bags, and a canceled flight. So years ago, well, not, I, did, I made that sound longer, Brenda, but years ago, it has been a while, when the kids were in high school, we made the decision to switch them to the British system. We were homeschooling the kids at this time, and this intrigued us. Why we did this is another story for another day. But to accomplish this, we had to hire two tutors to come in who were English and trained in this system. Well, Paxton and Bryn were ready to set their, sit for their high school exams, the ICGCSEs, which would be the equivalent to a high school diploma here in the States. There was only one school in the United States who offered this testing to private 2Ts. This school happened to be in Rockledge, Florida. Has anyone heard of Rockledge, Florida? It's outside Titusville and about an hour and change from Orlando. The preparation process was grueling. The logistics to plan the trip, we would be there for some weeks, was challenging. But we had everything all set, and we were on our way to Rockledge to sit these exams. So the day of our departure, I would teach my Wednesday morning Bible study, come home. We'd had a friend drop us off at Hartsville to fly to Orlando. We decided flying would be less stressful than driving, and given the number of bags we needed to take with us, it would be impossible to fit everyone in the SUV and all the bags. All is well. We are at the airport early, one mom, two teens, two tutors, and 12 bags. These bags included all the kids' books, study materials, and our personal things. All is well. We're at the gate early, reading a book. I was actually enjoying the wait. When all of the sudden, one of the tutors came over to me and she said, isn't our flight number 50-50? It wasn't really 50-50, but I made it for the story. I said, yes, why? Well, according to the board up above us, Flight 5050 has just been canceled. All is not well. So a little bit about me. Traveling isn't my love language. I love to drive, 
But remember, I'm a recovering road rager. So um, I, I have decided that I love to travel and I love to drive in perfect conditions. I love most everything in perfect conditions. And I will never forget that moment. I thought I was going to pass out and scream at the same time. The thing is, we had to be there the next morning. There was no way to schedule these exams. It would be months before that would happen, completely derailing our graduation plans. Never forgetting that moment, I felt every emotion possible, telling myself, keep it together, keep it together, remembering only a few hours I had taught the Bible, and I had talked about trusting in God in all things. And I knew that these four people with me knew that I had just taught the Bible. I had a choice, so I prayed, God help me. Help me through this day. We are running all over the airport, only to be told there were no more flights available that day to Orlando. I said, well, Orlando isn't that far. We'll drive. So adding to the chaos, we go to try to locate our 12 bags. Well, because we were so early, those 12 bags had made the flight before us, so they were in the air to Orlando. I kept on praying. I kept taking deep breaths. We got home, got in the SUV, and we made the trip to Florida. We actually had fun. It was an easy trip down. The kids got to study. We made it to the Orlando airport like the person at Hartsfield had asked us to do. Um, it was a little after midnight, and unbelievably, every single bag was waiting for us. We crammed everything into the SUV, sitting on tops of bags. We headed to the place we had rented for our time there. By the time we got settled in, almost 2 a.m., I will never forget the words out of my kid's mouth when we got to our place. Their eyes wide with amazement, and they said, Mom, that was not you. You weren't like yourself at all today. They know me all too well. I take zero credit for what happened. It was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and that was such a sweet moment. The Holy Spirit in me, greater than my road-raging lower nature, it was incredible. It was a moment of jubilee. So as I've been thinking about this, I thought what is even more incredible to think about is that the same Spirit that filled Jesus, the same Spirit that led Jesus, the same Spirit who took control of me that day, preventing me from embarrassing my kids, myself, and ultimately him, that same Spirit that filled Jesus, that same Spirit that led Jesus, is the same Spirit who longs to fill us and lead us. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you have gifted us with your Holy Spirit, that you have given us life in Jesus, your son, that you have called us to bring the good news and celebrate Jubilee in Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.